This is Kurt. And this is Tracy. And this is the MFG Cast. another episode boy it feels like we actually been kind of recording ahead of time which you wouldn't know that so this is kind of like the first time in a while we've actually post holiday have actually recorded so it's kind of nice to get back to it this episode we're going to be doing a review actually we're going to be talking about a game that you knew about a while ago and now we're just looking to review it because we wanted to play it a few times just to give you our honest opinion we're going to be playing lock up a role-player tale so today for our review uh, we're going to talk about Lockup, uh, Role Player Tale by Stan Kordonowski. Artists are Luis Francisco and Lucas Ribeiro. And I apologize tremendously if I have them wrong. And the publisher is Thunderworks Games. And Thunderworks Games is becoming near and dear to our heart because they are based in our state, our home state of Wisconsin. Don't you know? Do we do, don't you know? I don't know. Anyway. I don't know, do we? Lock, <laughs> lock up. It's a game for one to five players, which kind of trips our trigger a little bit with the one player solo action. And it plays ages 10 and up. And it plays 45 to 90 minutes. And it weighs 2.56 pounds. I'm just kidding. <laughs> In case anyone wanted to know how much it weighed. All right, Kurt. Why don't you... Give the the overview of the game. Oh, let's do that. When King Terran's loyal soldiers put down the Dragul invasion of Nalos, they threw the captured minions into Kolbak prison, where the enchanted gates and ruthless construct guards make escape all but possible. Once every year, the king releases the toughest gang of prisoners into the Royal Coliseum. You play as a squadron of minions, gnolls, kobolds, bugbears, goblins, or insectoids that were captured on the battlefield and locked up in Kuba. But in six short weeks, King Terran will visit the prison, and he might give you the chance to fight for your freedom. Can you build a reputation and establish yourself as the prisoner's most powerful crew? That was so intense, I feel like I need to give you a glass of water. <laughs> I'm thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's talk about what uh, Lockup is all about, huh? So basically, at Lockup, what you're doing is you're you're in prison, but you're almost trying to run the yard, basically, through going to different spots where you can get different resources so you can get different items to get while you're in. So, like... Like when they talk about old school, like you're exchanging, like I'm exchanging toothpicks for cigarettes. I don't know how it works. I was never in prison, but you know, like that whole thing where like they're trading for cigarettes and for secrets and stuff like that. And this you're trading for certain, certain things like a teeth brush that's actually made out of teeth. That looks like a toothbrush or like, uh, what else is there? Like a, uh, a lucky coin that kind of looks like it's 
a cool little coin, but it's also got like a dagger on it that can slice your throat, which is pretty sick, I think. Like, not sick in a cool way, but sick in a bad way. But you also want to be able to do this all under the radar and not cause any sort of suspicion through the prison. Yeah, exactly. Because the guards are waiting, waiting to... Waiting for you to make a mistake so they can... Kick your butt. Yes, put you in the hole for three days. Yeah. So, basically, there's, like Kurt said, there's different locations throughout the yard or the prison. And there is a location called the exercise yard. And that's really the first location that you're going to have the opportunity to place your crew tokens. And what a crew token is, is it is a token that has a certain value on it. So it's basically your strength to allow you or help you to win that um, reward or resource. And they're numbered, what, two to five, so two, three, four, and five. And then there's one crew token that has an eyeball on it that helps you to not collect those suspicion tokens so you can um, avoid those riots. And then there's one with a fist on it, which you can collect red power cubes along the way. And depending on the number of power cubes you have on your player mat increases the amount of basically power on this crew token so yeah so like the the guys with the fists are called the enforcers because the more power you have the more the more hefty they are and then the guys with the eyeballs are called the lookout because they're peeking out and make sure the guards don't see what kind of stuff you're up to yeah so you use these crew tokens throughout the the jail or the prison, I don't know what we want to call it. Do we want to call it jail or prison? Let's call it prison. Okay. Throughout the prison to basically collect these resources as you go. So one of the first locations and you, well, let me take a step back. You always resolve each location in a certain order. So the exercise yard is the first one. And here, if you choose to put one of your crew tokens here, you can gain power cubes, so those red cubes, and you're, you have the ability, if you win that, to take the first player token. So there is a lot of perks. Having a first player token would allow you potentially to win in a tie, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, also, it actually gives you two points for the end of the game, but we'll kind of talk about that later too. Yep. And so we have, so that's the exercise yard in the game. And that's the first stop when you're resolving. Yeah, it's Um, like one through six, I think, or something like that. There's actually eight. Or there's eight. So I can't count. One through eight. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so what's the next location, Kurt? The next location is the sewers. So it's it looks green. It looks gross. It's got sludge. But depending upon if you win there, you get a, you know, first place will get a larger amount of scrap tokens, which are the green tokens are the green resources and then second place will usually get an amount um, and it just depends upon the amount of players you know, when you're scoring scoring the sewers depending upon if you're playing a one to two player game or if you're playing a three player and up game you'll get in certain resources so like first player in the sewers usually gets the most amount and then you know depending upon how many players how many players then somebody else would get a certain amount and then I think in that I think in that one I think everybody at least gets one cube in that one. So that is the sewers. Then we have um, the next one to resolve would be the infirmary, and that is where you gain potion cubes, and those are the blue resource cubes. 
And this one's a little bit different because first place will gather a certain amount of cubes and based on the side of the board that you're playing, because the board is two-sided based on, or has two sides based on the amount of players. So what we played today was a three-player game. And in the three-player game, you first place gains three. Last place is the one that gains the cubes. So if multiple people play on that, or multiple, meaning more than two, anybody in the middle wouldn't even gain any cubes at all in this respect. So it adds a little bit of variety on that one. Yeah, which is interesting. That feels like that's the only one where it's like, okay, you have to get first or last. Otherwise, you're completely screwed. And it's like, okay, do you... You know, do you really want to take the chance and lose out on it or what or not? You know, so coming up in the in the smithy, I think for I think for both sides, I think it's either I think it's first and second place get something. And then see, that's why I wanted you to talk about the smithy, mm-hmm. because first and second get something. But last place doesn't get anything. Mm-hmm. So there's the variety between the infirmary and the smithy is that the infirmary is first and last place. Where the smithy is just first and second place, and it doesn't cover anybody else. All right, so like in the smithy, for a three-player game, if you get first place, you get two gray resources. And then if you get second place, then you get one gray resource. And then if you're third or on, you don't get any. And then there's the commissary, which is the next stop to resolve. And that is where you gain any resource if you hit first place. But then then it gets a little bit different because you actually have to convert one of your resources that you collect. So let's say you want to get rid of one of your gray cubes and you want to convert that to gold because the gold resources, that is the only place that you can collect gold, I believe, unless you can collect them from... Like a tome card or something. Maybe. Or a goon or something like that. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about those guys later. And there's options there. So it's basically one for one. It's trade in one one colored resource for another colored resource. So let's say you're trying to accomplish something farther along in the game. You'd be doing that trade off at the commissary. And then there's the chow hall. This is where you recruit goons. So what you're going to be doing is depending upon where you stack up, in the chow hall for your strength, you're going to be trading pretty much any resource or resources to get an amount of goons. So I, you know, I'm not going to go, I'll go through the three player one, but it'll be different for the one to two players. So like for, if you get the first strength, if you're um, in the chow hall for three or more players, you would actually trade any resource for any one goon, or you can trade up to four resources for any two goons. So you're giving up all these all these resources, but you can give up some of these smaller ones that don't caught that aren't as special as the gold ones, like your greens and your blues. They also can give you little small boons to get rid of stuff or small get what? extra stuff. Boons. What are boons? It's like gifts, basically. Oh. Okay. Um, Sorry, so like sometimes when you collect a goon, it will give you like a, a a blue resource or a green resource or a little symbol that helps you for end game scoring, which we'll talk about later too. So. Goon, the goon set collection is actually a pretty big one for the game. So let's move on to the cell block. Okay, at the cell block, you can craft items. So the items that Kurt was talking about, um, if you choose to basically craft teeth brush, which is a wicked looking toothbrush, it tells you the amount and the colors of the resources that you need to be able to create these items. And then it tells you potentially what your reward would be. Whether it's 
the amount of victory points that you can move up on the track or you could be victory points and you can be able to return a suspicion token that you might have collected along the way. You could give a suspicion token to somebody else. You could, they all kind of do different things, but they also have these little icons on the side that you also may be looking for that you could pair with your goon cards. So there's a bunch of different options along the way that you could be looking for. Also in the cell block, you have the opportunity if you don't have the the right resources or you're missing one resource to be able to complete an item, you can actually pay one of any color resource to reserve that item to be able to go there the next round to be able to complete it so that no one steals it from you the next turn. And then last but not least is the library. So during the game, when you're going into these other locations and say you don't have enough strength to get anything in these other locations, you lose out, but you don't technically lose out. You kind of get a little a little extra something for kind of not getting what you want in the game. So you actually move your strength tokens, whoever's lost in the different location spots, to this library. And when you go to the library, depending upon your strength, you'll draw, like, usually it's like first place draws two cards and picks one, and then the rest basically just pick one off the top. And you, those give you certain things during the game, like you can get resource cubes, or you can have more power during one turn, or, you know, stuff like that. So it, the Tome cards just give you a lot of different options to kind of help you out during the game. So you're not, even though you're losing out on those locations for the for the resources or other stuff that you want to get, you're not losing out if you don't get them. So a good example of a time when you would end up potentially moving to the library would be like at the Smithy, where if you're playing a three or four player game and multiple people placed their crew tokens at the Smithy, but only first and second place collect cubes or resource cubes at the Smithy, the rest of you would be placed would move your crew to the library. Otherwise, you can't place your crew tokens at the library. The only time they go there is when you do not win any sort of strength check at any of those locations. So let's talk about how the rounds work, the round sequence. So starting with the roll call phase, what you're doing is you're assigning your crew tokens to every spot. In a three-plus player game, you're assigning up to two crew tokens face down, and then the other ones have to be face up. But in a two-player game, you can do three face down, and then the other three face up. So the next round would be the lights out phase. And that is where you actually go through each of the locations that we talked about, and you resolve them in number order. So what's nice about the board is that they have them numbered. And so you know exactly where to start and where to go next. So what you do at each location is you determine each crew's strength. And if applicable, they gain that suspicion. So those kind of grayish, blackish see-through cubes that could potentially be on those spaces and collect the rewards. So if they collected um, gray resources or blue or green and then move anybody who lost to the library so that they have the chance at the very end. What is interesting about it is that for the two-player game, when you have the three face down and the three and up, when you have the two down, you don't know what people have placed. So it's interesting to see whether or not they've placed, you know, what tokens they've actually placed face down. So those are revealed at that 
point when you're going starting through your locations and going from one through seven, eight, one through eight, one through seven, one through eight. If you if anyone gets moved to the library and then there's one more um, phase and that's called the patrol phase. Yep. So in the patrol phase, you're checking your storage limits. So each board has a storage limit on your board, but also you can get like tome cards and stuff like that and cards that you get throughout the game for items and stuff like that that could possibly get your storage limits increased. You refill the item display, so any items that have been bought, you refill that. You advance the goon cards. So the rightmost goon card, if there's one on that spot, you get rid of it and then replace your goons and then add suspicion cubes. And then if you run out of suspicion cubes during this time where you're trying to fill it in a spot and you can't, you actually start a raid. So basically what a raid is, is depending upon how many suspicion cubes each player has, you're going to lose victory points. So like most most suspicion cubes will lose a, a great amount. Like usually it's eight. And then next player would get four. And then the players after that wouldn't get anything. Sometimes if it's tied, then you split it. So then first and second or whoever's tied for first would get, everyone would lose four. A cool thing about it too is even though it's a raid and it kind of sucks and then people lose victory points, all of the suspicion cubes that are actually on the board and in your on your boards, you actually put them all back to the suspicion supply area and then you start over again. So that's it's even though it kind of sucks that the raid happens, it doesn't mean it just got, kind of keeps happening. You can move on and and then you know maybe do another raid eventually, but it doesn't you know hurt you like. So hardcore. It's nice because it adds another element, though. It does. I like it. Mm-hmm. We talk about advancing the goon cards, so maybe we should talk a little bit about what types of goon cards that they have. What Kurt alluded to was the the set collection of the goon cards. So one benefit that I had of the last game that we played was I did set collection on one of the goons that were called the bandits, I believe. Mm-hmm. And these, the more that you collect, the the more the number goes up. So I think I collected six of these guys, and it got me like 25 points. Mm-hmm. So if you collect one, you get one point. If you collect three, you get three. Or two, you get three. Three, you get six. And, you know, the, like the number just keeps going up. There's also another one called Ratman. And if you collect only one of him, you actually score negative three points at the end of the game. But then his number increases as you collect more of him. And then he becomes like more powerful in the point department. Yeah. But there are other goons that are just a straight up like three victory points if you collect them. There are goons that if you have a certain number of power cubes um, at the end of the game, you collect points for those. Yeah, that was the one that me and Logan did really good well. It was the Hobgoblin. So it's like however many power cubes I had, that's how many victory points you got so there's lots of different types of goons. So we covered some of those. So there's a lot of potential with those types of set collection and different types of play regarding that. Mm-hmm. They also add the options for leader cards, end of game goal cards, and instant cards. Instant cards. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about those? Sure. So usually... For the leader one, that is one that kind of goes out throughout the game. So depending upon what it is, like the one we had just this last time we played, it's like you have to have a set of these three symbols. 
And then whoever has the most sets of those gets this leader card, and it can change hands depending upon who has more. Another one is an endgame goal, so basically it's just it's what's at the end. So like the last one we did, it was like however many items that you had that were worth 12 victory points or less, you would get uh, two points each for those. And then another one is an instant. So the instant is basically the the instant you get it, <laughs> the instant you get that card, you get those victory points. And I think the one, the last one that we played was whoever had eight resources or eight of those cubes in their um, stash scored the victory points mm-hmm. on this instant card first. Yeah. So there's tons of things going on. We talked about tome cards already, correct? Mm-hmm. So those you can use at any time. And tome cards are the ones that are collected in the library. If you choose not to use tome cards um, throughout the game, they are worth victory points at the end of the game. You receive one reputation point star at the end of the game for each one you don't use. Mm -hmm. So I have the tendency to collect those. Mm -hmm. I use them sometimes, but I got three reputation stars at the end of the last game that we played. I feel feel like I I use those more for victory points at the end than anything but there was like one card and i can't remember what it was but i really it really helped me at the end yeah it depends on it depends on which ones you get yeah or if you're blind drawing them versus being able to select between the two sometimes yeah and then like if you hold resources at the end you actually get one point for each resource at the end except for gold that's worth two points and then the first player marker if you hold that at the end you get two uh, you get two points at the end there so you do all the final scoring of the things that I we just talked about for scoring and whoever has the most wins and then in the event of a tie who cares <laughs> I'm going to say that we don't need to talk about it in the event of a tie I don't like in the event of a tie you guys figure that out uh, you have a true fight that's true but I mean, it's anyone's game. I was behind the entire game, and I came back because I collected... I did a ton of set collection with those goons. And, man, I came back with 25 points just on collecting one group of goons. Yeah, and that was in our three-player game, yeah. Yep, and boom. So, I beat them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because there are different way, different paths of winning, but, like, like uh, Tim Vernig from Thunderworks game said, you know, I think the set collection is like a key to win this game. I think if you focus on that more than the items, like you still need to focus on items, but if you like, I played it, I feel like I played it more wise trying to focus on items and then trying to kind of get goons after that. Like I felt like it didn't work as well as if I would have done it the other way, I guess. But there is one or a couple goons where you can collect if you collect a certain symbol and they're located on the item cards. Those will help and those pair together too. Yeah. So I've done that too. So those kind of help to get or play together well, mm-hmm. I think too. So, I mean, there's so many different things that you can do and it all depends on how they display, how how the cards are shuffled and how they're, how they're laid out too, I think. Oh yeah. Well, and plus there's the variability of like, okay, if I don't win out to get these goons that I want, then I'm left with these other goons that maybe won't help me either. Well, so. or if you think you're out to collect, um, a, do set collection for Ratman, who's, if you start collecting that, and that's negative three if you only get one of them, and what happens if you don't flip another Ratman? Yeah, true that. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about our, our experiences between the two and three player, because you and I played two and three players. So. Yep. Do you, which one do you like better? Do you think there's a difference? You know, what do you, how do you feel about that? 
Well, there's obviously a difference because we're playing. You're flipping the board. You're playing on a different board that has the variety of the different um, things that you can collect mm -hmm. for resources. So I think there's a difference there. It's a little bit more. It could be a little bit more gotcha because mm -hmm. you could you could be on a space where you don't collect anything. I think we've got we didn't get sent to the library too often, but we did get sent to the library. Mm -hmm. There are some choices where we were like, I feel like I have to play a couple or um, several of our um, my guys here in order to be able to be able to make a statement and collect my resources here. So I think that's different. Granted, in a two player game, I think you had to do that, too. But it was just it was different because there were three players. Mm -hmm. So you were all trying to do something. Um, I felt like in a three-player game I I lost out on items that I wanted to take because I would forget to lay out my crew tokens or I wouldn't lay out as many points yeah I, d I did that in a two-player game too and I was like oh my gosh why are you yeah, keep forgetting to I put it in a spot that I need yeah I don't feel like I took it as seriously maybe but oh. it all worked out I think they it has their um differences but I think in a good way I I don't think they're too dramatic Mm -hmm. But I think it, it makes it interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I think I like it more in a three-player sense than in a two-player sense, which is kind of weird because we always seem to play, you know, two players for the most part, you know, unless yeah. we can sucker Logan into playing. No, he doesn't like being He's not suckered. He actually really liked this game. But I thought the three-player had a lot more interaction in it than a two-player game. And I also, there there's more to get, you know, with like the resources and stuff like that. So it's like, okay. Do I want to get these to, you know, have more things to craft more items or maybe have just keep resources for the end of the game or, you know, use them to buy more, buy more goons or something like that. You know, it was just, I felt like there was a little more interaction there. Not saying that the two player game is bad by any means. I just felt like the three player was just a little more interactive and a little more exciting and fun. Well, and I don't know if it was the luck of the draw with flipping over the goons and stuff like that. But I also, we did collect a lot of resources, so I feel like I, was, I wasn't I was as frugal with my resource hoarding as I was in a two-player game because I'd, I'd be like, oh, okay, I got second place in the chow hall. I'm going to spend five resources to get two goons for my set collection, and I think that was very beneficial for me. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't know if I would have been in the same place in a two-player game. Because that's a lot of resources. It is a lot of resources. <laughs> and sometimes you have had too many, then it, it, uh, it, you have to get rid of them. Yeah, so you lose them in the end sucks. anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I actually got to play this solo player. And I actually think for a game that is not a solo player game exclusively, I think this is the best solo player, the solo play game I've had on a game like this. It is hard. <laughs> so you're play what you're doing is you're actually playing against these guard cards. When it's the guard's turn, you actually flip over one of the cards in one of the locations. And then as you do that, you actually have to flip over this location deck too. And if a location comes up on the cards, then you have to add an extra guard to a spot. So that could really increase the numbers or sometimes even decrease the numbers depending upon what the guard value is so yeah it's just really interesting there is going to be a guard card on every single spot on the board except for the library of course because they don't flip down to the library but you actually uh, and they can 
get flipped to the library if, or if they lose out too. But like guard cards are going to be in every single location and they're going to have a chance to get something every single time. So you really have to think about, okay, what am I going to do here? Am I going to, you know, am I going to go over here and, you know, get these cubes that I want or am I going to let them get it? Because they, another thing that really kind of sucks and is so hard with them is they don't have a storage limit. So they can have 20 cubes if they have to have them. So do you, when you say that, do you literally put cubes set aside for them? Yes. You oh. actually take the cubes and put them in their spots. And you can run out too, so you have to be careful there. That's but, what I was wondering. But they also, when you're doing the items, they, if they have the amount of cubes and they win out over you, they buy the most expensive item and use oh. it. So... Uh, you could really be in trouble there, if too. They have the cube to if they have the cubes the to item. make it. Yes, they wow. will do it. Another thing that kind of sucks, too, is if they don't have enough cubes to, to craft an item, they will reserve the highest item. So it could be something where it's like, I could actually craft this item and I have enough cubes, but because they have the more strength and they don't have enough cubes, they can reserve that item that I wanted. Oh. So <laughs> it... And there are difficulty levels i played the moderate and got my butt handed to me so that just goes to tell you there's moderate challenging and expert expert i probably will never play because i will probably never win uh but i'd like to actually i would actually like to try all of these just to see i only played the one moderate version of it but like i really dug it like there's just a lot of strategy and thinking and you know it, it just it really makes you think about every single turn you take and like in like a two player and up game you can kind of oops i flubbed that up but the next turn i can kind of make do in this game i feel like every single turn matters and if you make a mistake you could lose out hmm. so i want to i want to try it yeah i really really enjoy it so i say if you're really into single player games and you want to play something that's challenging, like this is a game that I feel like would be a good challenge for you. So Well, and it sounds like what's nice about it is that it's not solely a single player. Yeah. Exactly. So it can be single and up to four players. So yeah, yeah. And sometimes I think companies make make a game that's up to X amount of players, solo games, and they they aren't good yeah exactly or they're okay but no one wants to play it solo yeah or it's not their favorite or yeah exactly i've heard a lot of people say i feel like this game is a three to whatever game and they made a two-player or one-player version of it to sell more copies i feel like in this one i feel like they did a awesome job all around to make it challenging and fun for every single type of player count nice so yeah so I just I just told you what I thought of it. I really liked it. <laughs> okay. So what do you think? Well, I haven't played the solo version yet, but now I think you talked me into it. I think I was just down for the count that day and didn't want to play, and that's why you checked out the solo mode, and I'm glad you did. And I would like to. I really like this game a lot. I'm glad that we talked Logan into being able to play it, and... I think he's glad he got talked into playing it. It's not that he didn't want to try this game. I think he was just wanting to play a video game. So, mm-hmm. And he didn't even let us finish getting the words out of our mouths on what, when we asked him what he thought of the game, It he's like, I loved it. So 
There you go, Thunderworks. Yeah. Exactly. He loved it. So basically what we do on the MFG cast is we ask about what how we would rate the game. Mm-hmm. So there is a couple different categories. There's the Collection Keeper, which is basically a game that we would um, obviously keep in our collection that we would play often. And it would be probably one of the games that we would have come to the forefront to want to play frequently. Mm-hmm. There's Fair Player, which is a game we really like. Um, it may not be the first game that we have that we would want to play, but it would come up often enough. And we definitely want it still on our shelves. Mm-hmm. And there's Overlooked. We feel this game is okay, but it's not our first choice, and we'd probably select other games first. And then the last um, would be Unfortunate Passer, and I think that kind of speaks for itself. Not our favorite game. There would be many other games that we would select before this one. In fact, we probably wouldn't want to play it again. So, with that being said, Kurt, what would be your pick? When we first started playing this two-player, I might have called it a fair player. Like, I I enjoyed it, but I think that it, like, playing it two-player, I was kind of like, well, maybe I want a little bit more out of it. The more and more we played it, we played it three-player, we played it one-player, I think it's a collection keeper. I really enjoy it. I'd like to play it often. You know, now that I know that also that Logan likes it too and that I played it first-player, uh, or I played it one player, like, I think it's one of those that I'd like to play often. I think if you're into solo player game, and, like, this game is a little bit higher up there if you think about buying a solo player game, but, like, I think it's a must-have. I really do. I think for a single player game, I think it is phenomenal, and I think if you're into that, I think you should give it a shot. And I don't think, with that being said, I don't think the components are chintzy. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. So it's not like... um cardboard cubes or I've never seen a cardboard cube. So I'm not really sure why I said that (laughs) back in the 1900s. They had cardboard cubes. There are no cardboard cubes. There are wooden cubes and clear resin power and suspicion cubes and things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything's real cheaply made or anything like that. So, and the, and the art is the role player art that you're used to. And it's phenomenal and just awesome looking. And it has a, I think Logan really loves it and would say it was a collection keeper too because mm-hmm. he likes, I think he likes that power hoarding and the gotcha mm-hmm. kind Definitely. of game. With that being said, I would say the same thing. I would say it's a collection keeper also. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it when we were first going to review it. It's not that I didn't think I was going to like it, but I didn't know again how I thought I would rank it either. And I think the more we play it, the more I really dig it. And there's so many different things, but I like um, set collection games. I like gotcha games. I was pretty sure that I was going to just totally lose today. And I mean, you never know. Mm -hmm. Like you can't assume you're going to win. I think we shocked Logan because he really thought he was just going to smoke us. And we actually both beat him. So. I would say this is a good game to keep in our collection also. Definitely. And it's got a good price on it. On Amazon right now, it's only $37.99 down from 50 So it's a good price for a great game. Yeah. Go out and buy it. Yeah, definitely. And thank you to Thunderworks Games for trusting us with this review. They gave us a review copy to review, and we appreciate it. And we're excited to see what comes 
in in the down the pipeline. Down the pipeline. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. In the front door. <laughs> that's right. But you learned yeah. about you guys kind of learned about that when we were at uh, Gamehole Con and we had that episode. So if you haven't listened to that, check it out. So until next time, I'm Kurt and I'm Tracy and thanks for listening. This was the MFG Cast. The audio used in the overview for Lockup was brought to you by BattleBards. Go to BattleBards.com right now to save 50% if you bundle for six months BattleBards Fantasy Premium Audio and Plate Mail Games' audio. This is a limited time offer, so make sure you get the savings passed on to you before this offer goes away. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.